Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 ed tech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. This week, there were a number of interesting posts to eSchoolNews.com that actually did not involve work in the classroom. Rather, the topics involved those people and jobs that obviously support work in the classroom from the periphery from digital media specialists to superintendents, and even the district bus drivers, and how technology can make their day-to-day responsibilities more efficient and therefore better for ultimately that teaching and learning. First off, Kristen Whitworth. She's a library media specialist at Dover New Hampshire High School and president of the New Hampshire School Library Media Association, makes the case on how schools should enable their library media specialists to lead the digital transformation through ed tech coordination, motivation, information, and education in districts. After a recent summit led by the association, the state's K-12 library professionals engaged in a dialogue around how they can ensure school systems maximize the state's ed tech investment that has gone on during the pandemic. They identified some common approaches to maximizing that ROI in each district or school setting. Here are some highlights. She writes, number one, create building-based digital tool coordinators. Databases, lists, websites, newsletters, and the like are all excellent ways to share information about digital tools and drive usage. Consider also having someone serve as the central point person for EdTech resources in your school. Establishing and using this role can be a great help in getting educators to the right person for targeted support, getting the word out, coordinating training, and so much more. Number two, incentivize use. Educators frequently seek administrator guidance for what they expect to see in the classroom or in use by students. Library media specialists can work with principals and curriculum leaders to foster digital tool adoption by making sure they know what different tools can do, highlighting best practices, sharing fun examples, and advocating for time for educators to play with and learn new tools. Number three, keep technology staff in the loop. She writes, depending on district and school technology acquisition policies, Your tech team might not be aware of what you're acquiring, what it does, who it's for, what it requires, and if it complies with district or state regulations. Go beyond these basic tech requirements and show them what the tool does, how it works, and what integration it requires. And then number four, finally, solidify professional learning for that ed tech. She writes, we get it. We know there are so many initiatives that districts must address, such as compliance training, new challenges around social-emotional learning, competencies, new curricular initiatives. But by building a strong facility in navigating and leveraging ed tech, administrators empower educators to work towards all these goals. This piece is chock full of, of more detail for you to explore. It's one of the top stories right now up on eSchool News. Be sure to check it out. Next, Dr. Louis Algazi, he's the president and CEO of Florida Virtual School and FlexPoint Education Cloud. He breaks down some basic insight and instruction for educators having to manage schools and districts' online operations. 
which after the pandemic means pretty much every leader to some degree. He lists six guidelines, and I'll tease you here with three. For the rest, head over to the homepage at eschoolnews.com. He writes, number one, establish and share online learning guidelines. First, I recommend asking yourself these key questions. Do you have safeguards in place to ensure academic integrity? How will your staff communicate with students who aren't submitting assignments? What is your grading policy? If you don't have answers to these questions yet, then it is critical that you set and establish guidelines to ensure that you and your staff are on the same page when it comes to these topics. Number two, discuss communication guidelines. One of the great benefits of online learning, he writes, is that engaging digital curriculum and tools allow for teachers to have more one-on-one interaction with students, providing teachers with better insights on how their students are doing. As such, the connection and rapport your teachers create with students and families can go a long way toward their success, which is why my second step includes developing and discussing these sort of guidelines. Then number three, discuss training schedules. Something I learned early on in my position is that if your staff is set up for success and feels confident and prepared to teach online, the results will show, not only in terms of building a culture of care within your school or district, but also when it comes to student success. He writes, which is why my third step should be one of your top priorities, ensuring staff have the time to train, learn new systems, and develop their skills. These first two stories reminded me of a recent conversation I had with Chad Magaha. He's the chief technology officer at Wichita Falls ISD in Texas, and Chitra Mithra. She's a director of Edu Institutions of Marketing at Adobe about how technologies and behaviors shifted during the pandemic to online operations. And those operations now seem pretty much here to stay, which is good news for those professionals in schools who are in supportive role. I mean, that that these technologies that were put together in a stopgap situation have turned out to be a new valuable infrastructure. The entire hour is worth your time, but here's a snippet. You can find it under the webinar tab with the title, Back Office Innovations, Devising a More Dynamic Workflow. Have a listen. But Chad, I mean, you know, we're also talking about public school and and school districts, and you're talking about 26 different locations and the general public. Do you find any hesitations when it comes to the use of e-signatures or digital documents? Are there some folks who are still kind of saying, you know what, no, this is, I want to get a notary public or I want to just make this, you know, a, a paper document. Talk a little bit about the, maybe some of the day-to-day challenges you find with making that transition. Kevin, um, I mean, really, surely if there's one thing about COVID, it was an agent for change. I mean, we all turned on a dime and I think our parents kind of helped embrace that too. You know, they went from going to a school and, and having to pick up forms and having to fill those things out to be able to do it digitally and, and really and truly, you know, be able to do it on, on their device. You know, it didn't have to be, you know, it didn't have to be at a desk with a piece of paper in the office of the school. I mean, so those things, it was, we had a few pushbacks every now and then, but for the most part, everybody embraced it. I mean, they, they knew that it was going to have to be a time of adaptation and a time of change. And, you know, they were just happy to, that their kids were getting to go to school, even if it had to be from home. You know, they were happy to have that interaction with the, with the kids and with the teachers 
And so I think any other time in life, if we tried to make that big a drastic change, I think there would have been a whole lot more pushback on that. Uh, but for overall, we we actually got away, you know, like I said, we had maybe a, a couple or a handful out of, you know, 14,000 kids that that gave a little pushback. But even after you talked to them and, and worked through it, talked about how secure those things are, they were, they all seemed to sign eventually. They didn't really have a problem with it after, after we sat down and talked to them about it. Yeah. And, and Chad, you bring up the point of mobile devices, right? And interestingly, there was a question in the chat which actually asked about mobile. And, you know, it, it is very difficult to think of a school district where everybody has 100% connectivity and everybody has a device at home and everybody, every kid has a device. It's often that people are sharing devices. People are struggling with bandwidth. There are issues of people trying to you know, uh, work on a mobile phone, trying to manage to download things. And people are sitting in Starbucks and McDonald parking lots and getting co connected to school sessions. And with all of that, you know, one of the things we really work hard on the science side is from a administrator or the person who is actually sending this for, for e-signatures, of course, that person needs to have access to you know, the browser and to be able to set all the workflow up and the processes up. But from a signature standpoint, so if I, as a parent or one of us as end users are signing the document, it can very easily be done on, on a mobile device. It does not need a, a computer or, you know, access to sort of sophisticated hardware. So that's, I think, making it a lot more easier for people who are on the move, on the go to sign it. You know, I was talking to an example where a set of bus drivers were having to sign waiver forms so they could actually bus these kids to the school district uh, because it was, you know, under COVID, everybody had to wear masks and what have you. And these, in the past, the bus drivers would have had to come into the school to sign these waiver forms. And now they didn't have to do that. They were all remote wherever they were. They got this email on their mobile device and everybody was able to just sign it and good to go. So just, you know, so many examples, which are very unique to schools, very unique to touching students, but also, you know, some of the examples that Matthew gave where it may not touch a parent or a student at all. It might just be vendor management. It might be, you know, onboarding an employee. It might be internal processes. I mean, there's just, it, the idea is that it's a very flexible tool and it, it depends on us on how we use it and where we deploy it. So it becomes relevant for the use case that we have. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the K-12 EdTech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.